Welcome back to class four of why video games are addictive by a computer programmer and scientist. So, well, I hope you enjoyed the last class and well, learning all about how Hanslow's uh, hierarchy of needs and the needs that humans need to be happy, right? To, to, to live and to, to exist and how we have now put those needs and those requirements in a game to make us feel that we need the game. So um, the class before that, we talked about time and the amount of time that we're going to play. And, and, and well, these last two classes have been building up to, well, some of the clever tricks that the programmers have put into the games, in fact, all of the games. And they use some of the psychological tricks, which is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's rule number one we're going to be talking about in a minute. And the amount of time that you guys spend playing in video games is the direct result of rule number two. But I'm going to come to rule number two and after rule number one. Let's do rule number one first because, well, it makes sense. So, well, before I do that, let's just get the slideshow open because that'll help you follow along. And, you know, it might be useful for some of the notes you might want to take as well, right? So I'm just going to go do a quick share screen here. And there we go. There's my presentation. And just a very quick uh, and turn that on so we can get our sound right. And hopefully... There we go. All right. So as I mentioned, um, in, in, in a university, when, when we sat down to my gaming class, my, my professor stands up and goes, welcome, everyone. To be really successful with video games, well, it's very simple. You have to put two rules inside every single game. If you put the two rules that I'm going to teach you inside the games, you'll be very successful. Like successful means, remember, 3 billion people playing video games, right? making $200 billion a year, right? So it's all about the money and, and being, you know, being played. So um, rule number one, he goes, make every single game highly addictive. And to do that, well, the gaming industry has actually um, invented a formula. It's actually invented a way of doing this. And with this formula, um, you, you can get someone addicted and, and, and uh, to, to playing the video games. And I was like, I was shocked. I was very surprised. I was like, excuse me, Professor, this sounds crazy. I mean, are you actually saying we we should get the gamers addicted to playing video games? And if that's so, how does this formula do that? I mean, I've heard of people getting addicted to lots of things in life, right? Uh, a cigarette smoker gets addicted to smoking cigarettes. But it says on the packet, warning, these are addictive. They're very bad for your health. They're, that it's there's always a warning on it. Why isn't there a warning on the video games? And he goes, ah, good question. He goes, but first of all, before I explain why there's not a you know a warning on the video games and well, why does this formula have an effect? Like unlike cigarettes, there's no chemical that we're putting into a gamer. In fact, it's quite clever. We're using the chemicals in their body kind of against them, and 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 it's very sneaky how we do it. I'm like now, professor, I'm really intrigued. How does this all work? How do you make a video game highly addictive? So he goes, well, first of all, you need to understand what an addiction is. Because, well, at the end of the day, you can be addicted to lots of different things, lots of different things in life. But at the end of the day, it, it, you, you, an addiction is very much not having control over, over the, the doing or taking or, or using something to the point where it's kind of harmful for you. And it makes you happy. You always have it when you're really, really, really happy when you have it, right? And then when you don't have it, you miss it. You want it. You need it. It's kind of on your mind a bit too much. And then 
you could get to have it again, you're happy, yay. And then kind of all of a sudden, you know, you, you can't have it again because you've got to go do something, you know, your responsibilities, right? In fact, here we go. Responsibilities. And then 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 life gets a bit boring. You get a bit frustrated. It seems a bit tough. And you know, all of a sudden, you, you, you know, gaming isn't going to be boring. You're kind of excited. So as soon as you can, you go play the game. And guys, an addiction, very simply, a circular thing, right? Happy, need it, want it. Happy, need it, want it. Can't stop thinking about it. Trying to, like a dog chasing its tail, right? Just going in circles and circles, trying to get that happy. Play game, have to do your responsibilities, can't get off. Yeah, everything starts to seem harder. Life's harder when you know things are more stressful, and everything except gaming becomes boring. Then all of a sudden, back to the game. Happy, need it, want it. Happy, need it, want it. Happy, right? And um, so this this addiction becomes a circular thing. Now there are different types of levels of addiction. Um, think about uh, you know, well, sometimes it's you know it's 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 so it's the lower level where you're just thinking about it. Other times you're craving it and needing it if you're not doing it. And, and then it gets to a point where you feel like you can't live without it, like you're getting right frustrated because you don't have it, and still you do it until it makes you feel, well, not so well, not so happy, right? That's the problem with an addiction. It, it takes you somewhere that is harmful. It, it takes you somewhere that you probably don't want to be. Some hobbies are, you know, fun and, you know, they're not addictive. There's lots of hobbies, right, that, that you can have that are fun and not addictive that, you, that they'll just keep playing until it becomes harmful. But video games are designed to be addictive. They literally are designed. And I'm going to show you how over the next few slides uh, in today's class and, 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 well, the next class as well, because it's really clever. But, you know, when gaming becomes an addiction, you start to get these social effects where you you know you can feel uh angry or you know get, get frustrated you're like mom go away just give me 10 more minutes right or you know maybe you're you know lack lack of motivation you know that you usually had for like maybe your sports and your other hobbies um you know difficulty you know getting chores done and getting homework done and getting you know the things you're obligated to get done done that becomes a lot harder you know, your cravings, you'll start to, to feel the urge to go back to gaming and try to control the game that you're playing, right? The feeling is though that, uh, 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 that, that if, if you return to gaming, it'll make you feel happier and better. And these psychological needs, these symptoms, the anxiety, the feelings of, uh, of empty, that, you know, the, 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 the depression or uh, it can be uncontrollable, you get fearful, you get irrational, it can be sad, you know, this this worry. Um, the physical symptoms, nausea, uh, physical illness, colds and allergies, and, and uh, well, um, yeah, recklessness, unfilling of, and, and of, of dreams. The obsession, this is one, uh, uh, you know, a disruptive sleep pattern. It you know, kind of starts creeping into your sleep, you're staying up later playing. Yeah, um, fantasies and dreams about the video games. You're like literally dreaming about the games when you're not playing them. And uh, excessive amounts of time spent sleeping because you're trying to catch up your low energy, right? So those are just some of these effects, you know, when gaming comes with addiction. We're going to talk more about those later. Those are just some of them. But, uh, well... You know, video games addiction is a real mental health condition. They've actually scientifically proven it now uh, that it's uh, affecting millions around the world. Um, the World Health Organization recognizes it as a gaming disorder in and, and, and a gaming disorder in their uh, international 
classification of diseases, ICD-11, very technical, as a pattern. So, so, so this is what this is what they're saying it is. A pattern or persistent or recurrent gaming behavior, which may be online or offline, manifested by an impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life interests, like hobbies and other things, and daily activities and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. So pretty much where gaming starts to take over, right? So um, although billions of people uh, play video games, and remember, 3 billion people play video games, the majority of them don't have any addiction to gaming. And the World Health, World Health Organization estimates the number of people uh, actually with the gaming addiction is between 4 and 8%. So 1 in 10. But the difference between a healthy, fun gaming hobby and an addiction game is the negative impact the activity is having on your life. What's it doing? Is it making good things happen? Or is the amount of gaming you're playing making bad things happen? That's what it comes down to. So, um, well, okay, now we understand what an addiction is. What causes it? How, how does this... What causes the addiction? What, 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 what? Well, in video game, in video games, it's slightly different. There, you know, remember I told you in cigarettes, there's a chemical like it's called nicotine, and that nicotine chemical is addictive. And when you smoke it, it's, uh, it you know makes you addicted to that chemical. But here's what's clever: in 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 video game addiction, well, we're going to learn this formula. Okay, this this four basic ingredients and 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 well, I'm going to teach it to you very, very shortly. And this is all how rule number one works. But but with these four basic ingredients. All right. Well, this allows our brain to kind of get a high amount of these chemicals, this this dopamine and this this uh, adrenaline. And I'll, I'll explain about those more in a minute. But um, this, these, these chemicals, get, we get overexposed at high levels. They turn them on full blast. And this causes changes in your brain. And your brain, well, it kind of does reconnects and it kind of, you know, re, re, redesigns itself to make gaming a priority. And all of a sudden, you begin to live in a world where you expect everything to be a bit like a game you have you want instant gratification you want the rewards you know games are so immersive it's easy to get lost for hours and hours in the game right seems like just minutes have gone by but it's actually hours yeah there's a reason for that too we'll talk about and you know the social uh, environment that's inside the game that you control it's all safe and sound and nice that's right and um well, game developers also manipulate other designs and we're going to talk about in-app purchases dlcs and loot boxes and it's in some countries, those things have been declared illegal because they're like gambling. We're going to talk all about that later in detail, I promise you. But, uh, you know, gaming addiction exists because game companies are billion dollar companies industry that, well, that the more people they have hooked on the games, the more money they make. OK, so, well, there's this, you know, without going into the science, there's your brain. There's a bunch of uh, you know labels, and and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a, a brain scientist, so so this is you know this is kind of all still like wow, you know this and and it 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 goes in into a description here, and if you love the sciencey bit, it'll explain to you which which part is being affected by the brain. Now this addiction stuff, 
you know, it's it's really been a, been perfected the last 10 years or so. Like the gaming industry has really perfected it, but it's been around a long time. And uh, over the years, funnily enough, in fact, over the years from like 1970s, we had the first controlled video games uh, are released. Uh, 1980, we have Obsession with Atari Space Invaders. So, uh, you know, people start getting obsessed with, you know, Atari. We start to notice the addiction there. First reports of video game addiction, 1983. Um, a Nintendo Game Boy gives gamers lots of mobility, allows them to game anywhere, which causes more uh, addiction as it's growing. Uh, not 1989, the first study completed about video game addiction. So we know something's going on there. Right, it's it's happened. Um, uh, Nineteen ninety, home gaming consoles gained massive popularity. Remember from the history in the first class. Um, Nineteen ninety-eight study shows video games raise uh, dopamine brain levels by uh, dopamine in the brain by a hundred percent. Remember that. That's an interesting fact, right? that we've now realized we've just gone from like normal amounts of dopamine, which I'm going to talk about more in a minute, um, to massive levels. 2000, the millennium ga online gaming communities and mobile gaming communities emerge. I mean, it goes insane. We're like online gaming, mobile gaming, it's it's big. Uh, 2008, we launch Apple apps and the store opens with mobile game content on the market. Boom, right? Uh, 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 2009, Study finds that 3 million children are now addicted to de and dependent on video games, like, like actually tested and proven to be addicted. Um, virtual in 2010, we have virtual VR games that become a new form of escape and a new form of uh, stress relief, new form of gaming that's just, you know, takes over a bit more. Uh, and then we're 2013, video game uh, uh, addiction is recognized as a... a <laughs> a physiological i can have a really hard time saying that a physiological disorder so it is an actual a, a a disorder that has been you know documented uh in 2016 uh mobile video games uh make over 40 billion dollars worldwide 40 billion remember it's 200 billion now isn't that crazy and uh 2017 as far as this goes games become the most popular category on uh, Apple app and those app buying stores. Surprise, surprise, surprise. So you can see this history of uh, gaming addiction and addiction in games that 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 is it's 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 well. Let's say it's, it. This is interesting. In 2016, US uh, users spent an average of five hours per day on a mobile devices. A 20% increase from 2015. Mobile gaming accounts on 11% of this time and continues to grow in 2017. Now, of course, we know that's gone all the way up to 16 and a half hours in 2021 last year. That's grown time, right? It's, it's uh, tripled. But, um, well, here's the science bit. Now, just to give you an idea, this these video games which are designed to activate and stimulate and well, release these brain chemicals, which normally don't go to such high levels. The first one we've already mentioned is dopamine. Now dopamine, this is what makes you happy or at least feel happy. It's your pleasure chemical because there are a few chemicals in your brain that make you feel happy, but actually dopamine very specifically is your pleasure happy. It makes you you know, feel like you're, it's the, it's the pleasure or happiness that you get when you achieve something, like when you uh, level up or get an upgrade. 
Now, so all right, so so you know this happy chemical, this you know this 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 dopamine, we turn it on what hundred percent more than it should be. Remember from the last slide. So okay, so maximum level happy and pleasure, right? Okay, so you've got this dopamine which is really making it happy, and then you've got this other chemical, adrenaline. And well, adrenaline you might know as your excitement chemical you get adrenaline when you play sports or feel threatened or nervous or scared well the night before your birthday adrenaline makes your heart go faster your muscles kind of get shaky and stronger it's like yeah. and it wakes you up it alerts you it stimulates you it really well gets you excited full blast adrenaline makes you really excited and adrenaline was goes back to our good old days of being cavemen if if we saw a lion, right, the adrenaline is there to save your life. It kicks in and, and gives you this excited wake up alertness that allows you to either run away really quickly and save yourself or fight the lion and be extra just ah to save your life, right? That's what it was for back in the olden days. <laughs> but today you don't get it very often and you know, unless you play sports, you get a bit of it when you play sports or when you're around something that's maybe scary. When you're crossing the road, the car gets too close, you're like, whoa, I almost just died just then. That's adrenaline. That's time to get excited. So now you understand, you know, we have, when you play a video game, you're getting, you know, this full dopamine, happy, pleasurable experience, and full uh, adrenaline, which is your excited chemical. So full, happy, pleasurable, and excited. Does that sound like the feeling you get when you're playing a video game for some reason? Right? Happy, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, go, go, go. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. That's the adrenaline and dopamine doing their thing, right? Running around your body, making you feel excited and happy and yeah, awesome. So, okay. Well, this happy and excited, this feeling, this is created by the addiction formula. The dopamine and adrenaline is released by this formula. And it's got four main ingredients. Four main ingredients, okay? This addiction formula. Now, the, this, this addiction formula, it's, 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 well, it's so powerful that it's it's actually used by lots of other companies around the world now. Um, in the last 10 years, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Twitch, Discord, YouTube, guys, they all use the addiction formula I'm about to teach you. And well, funnily enough, I, you guys heard of TikTok and a few of those other apps. Yeah, social, the, these all have the addiction formula, but this addiction formula is created by controlling your dopamine and your adrenaline, your happy and excited chemicals. Now, just so you know, there's dopamine and, and, and there's another chemical in your body called serotonin. This is your, what, the true happiness chemical where dopamine is your pleasure chemical. And, and a lot of people get them confused, but dopamine isn't true happiness it's pleasure um dopamine the chemical is addictive in the short term it's like enjoying a piece of cake yeah well oh, i just i want more i want a piece of cake um it's felt uh, in in the whole body you feel dopamine in your whole body making you want and and it inspires you into taking like cashing in your chips uh when you when you win right or like uh uh like uh you know taking more of the pot um traditionally it's experienced alone. You know, you get dopamine when you're eating or shopping or you know uh, uh, binging and 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 drinking. You know, pop with your friends, those kind of things. You know, you hang it. Yeah, it's that pleasure. It makes you go, oh, this feels good. I want more. This is awesome. It's well, dopamine also is a too much leads to do it to, to addiction. The more you have it, dopamine is kind of that addiction chemical. It's the 
the seeking of pleasure, the seeking of happy. Where this other serotonin chemical in our body, this this is a slightly different. Um, there's you know 14 different receptors for this one, um, and uh, and it's not addictive serotonin. It's more long term. It's uh, it's 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 felt you know more in the head. It inspires giving like volunteering and, and helping out it's generally shared you know serotonin is like spending time with your friends and family and and colleagues and uh, uh you know it, it's 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 about being in that group um and it makes your brain go this is like feels good this is enough and too little of this serotonin makes you depressed Right. So, so just so you know, this is, it's a lot of people go, oh, well, it, you know, serotonin, I have a lot of students go, well, oh, serotonin, and actually there's, a, there's a big difference, but dopamine and adrenaline are the ones that really, really, you know, kick off. So, well, well, we're going to get to the, we're going to get to the formula in a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, just, just understand. So now, so when you play your video game, you get, you know, your pure pressure, you get, you know, a social network, you, you get, uh, you know, your, you're all of a sudden you start to want to do it more and more. It starts to affect your sleep. It makes you anxious. You know, it maybe it starts to affect your grades and performance and your self-esteem and control, and you get stressed. And the more stressed you get and the harder things are at life, all of a sudden the more the game becomes, you know, and a, a, a place where can you can escape and uh, from the stressful events. And it allows you to cope and, and be in control, and it allows you to rewards to get rewards that, that you know, make you feel better. And so you play the game, and, and then all of a sudden you get pure pressure and you see this the circle remember that addictions are always very circular play the game neglect responsibilities everything in life gets harder everything gets worse and harder everything except the game and now the game's not boring because it's the most exciting happy place that's got adrenaline and dopamine you're happy and excitement chemical so you go play and all of a sudden here we are and this is the addiction cycle so now we kind of get how the the the, the chemicals are connected to this this addiction right the more of these chemicals we have the more they they you know allow us to get addicted and we understand now what an addiction is it's us going in circles trying to chase that happiness or that stress release right so how does this all work now i told you about these four main ingredients now let's do the first one today because this is pretty pretty crazy I, when i found these out um uh, they blew my mind and in fact you're going to want to remember these four main ingredients i call them the addiction formula um because it's uh, you're gonna need them a for your homework and b tell your friends about them they are mind-blowing they are so cool so here we go so rule number one make video games highly addictive and the first ingredient of the four ingredients we're going to cover is the reward system now the reward system is going to be different in every single game because if it was the same it would be boring right um but the reward is something that you get when you achieve something when you um complete something when you get the the you know the most you know hearts today or you got the highest score you you were the last player standing or you know you you were the best you got to the end of the level and beat the boss they give you a reward right some kind of you know skin or upgrade or new level or new new pass or robux or some money to spend right some you know, some upgrade and we're going to be talking about those things in-game uh, purchases the dlcs and the, the these these like, rewards we're going to be talking about a lot here over the next few few minutes and 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 few classes because these are huge there's so much about them that you need to know but um well, first of all, I've got a great little video. In fact, I've got a couple of videos in class 
that are from professionals or experienced users in the industry that um, we'll be talking about, well, exactly what we're talking about today. And this next one, this this video is um, all about, well, a little bit of the, the understanding, the psychology or the, 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 the head stuff about these rewards. Why do the rewards work? What, what are they? So um, let's have a little look and, uh, and see, well, see what this video is all about. Within three days of Call of Duty Warzone's release, three million people across the planet were playing. Well, great, you say, they marketed the game well. Did those people keep playing? Within a month, there was 50 million people playing Warzone. On the outside, Warzone just looks like an innocent bit of fun. But when we peek behind the curtains, we'll understand how much of a masterpiece this is. A game design masterpiece that's been carefully crafted to get you to play, then to keep playing, and to keep playing again and again and again until you become addicted. So in this video, I don't just want to peek behind the curtains and show you what they're doing. I want to rip off the curtains, reveal exactly what these people are doing in order to get you addicted. Gaming addiction's an interesting topping to talk about because I've been through it. You know, gaming's been around my whole life. It started with uh, the Game Boy Color, the PlayStation 1, then the PlayStation 2, and then the Nintendo Wii, then the Xbox 360, then the PS3, and then it went across to gaming. And I went from playing Minecraft with my friends on the weekend to spending literally every single waking minute of my life playing on my computer. I would stop playing football so that I could play on my computer. Relationships with friends would start to slip away. Very quickly, without really knowing what happened, I found myself in a rut. So I would try and get out of it. I knew that spending all of this time on gaming probably wasn't the best idea. There was times I'd try and delude myself by pretending I was trying to become a professional uh, CSGO player, professional video game player. I knew that wasn't the case, so I would try and stop. I'd make progress, I'd watch videos, I'd read personal development books, and I'd promise myself that I'm going to change, I'm going to slip back out of my old habits and I'd do it. I'd uninstall the game, I would stop playing for a couple days and then I'd slip back into old habits and that cycle would rinse and repeat again and again and again. I was on some kind of a roller coaster, going up and then down, making progress and slipping back, and I just couldn't figure out why. And up until recently, most people would hear this, the generations above us, and they would think, don't be so ridiculous. Just stop playing, just get over it. It's just a game. It's just some pixels on the screen. Well, actually, video game addiction has been recognized by WHO as a mental health disorder. These are real problems that we're talking about, and it's something we've got to address. If anything takes up that much time of our life. But before I get onto the topic of really explaining what video games are doing to your brain, let me first include a couple disclaimers. I'm not saying all video games are bad, I'm not saying that at all. I've enjoyed video games healthily before and it's been great. When it comes to using your time, there's a simple equation for productivity. Inputs divided by outputs. What are the inputs? What are this activity taking? What time is it taking you? What energy is it taking from you? And what are the outputs? What do you receive on the other side? It's a simple process. And most of the time, for most people, the inputs are many, many, many hours, 10, 12 hours, every single day, every waking second, you're thinking about the video game. It's consuming your mind, that's the input. And the output is not much. A little escape from reality, but instead of just escaping from reality, 
why not try and identify the root causes and try and deal with them? Now, I know this is always possible. I'm making some large generalizations. And for a lot of people, the inputs of video games are just a couple hours here and there, uh, you know, spending some time with your friends. That's the input. It's healthy. And the outputs are actually, well, I actually need a break from reality. This is actually good for my mental health. The equation that you've got to remember is inputs divided by outputs. What inputs are you putting into video games and what outputs are you receiving from them? And if the outputs aren't worth the inputs, then you've got to consider taking some kind of a break. But why are these games actually so addictive? Why can pixels on a screen be enough to encapsulate you, to put you into a different world, and to watch hours go by as if you didn't realize what happened? What's going on behind the scenes? And why are video games so addictive? What are they doing to your brain? Well, the core premise comes down to Skinner's box experiment, which is to do with doing an activity and getting the reward. Hey, so hey. Skinner's box, when you do an activity, you get a result. The first part, and I'm gonna list many, many, many ways that video games get you addicted. The first part is very simply, you do something and you get a reward. For example, in Call of Duty Warzone, if you kill somebody, you get XP. You do the thing and you get the reward. And this is true of loads of video games. And it's this reward that starts to make a habit in your brain. We all know the phrase neurons that fire together, wire together. So when we get that dopamine, it actually makes it easier for that craving to get that dopamine again. So we find ourselves in a loop. We also know cue, routine, reward. This is how habits are formed. And the stronger the reward, the more likely you are to do the routine when you get a cue. So because video games are carefully engineered to do lots of different things to release dopamine in your brain to give you some kind of a reward it gets you hooked and you find yourself coming back again and again and again and there are multiple different ways that you can get a reward for example you can do an activity you can get the same reward every single time but what video game developers have found that if there's a variable rate reward you're far more likely to come back again and again what that means is if you do an activity the reward you get isn't constant it differs every single time for example, if you want to train a dog, instead of giving him a reward every time he does something well, you should actually intersperse the rewards you give him. Sometimes you give him loads of rewards and sometimes you don't give him many rewards at all. This varial rate of rewards is by far the most stimulating place. Remember, dopamine isn't just the reward neurotransmitter, it's the craving neurotransmitter. You get the most dopamine not once you've achieved the thing, but in expectation of receiving the reward. So if the outcome, the reward, you don't know quite what it's gonna be, then the reward becomes far more tantalizing when you do get it. And it's the craving that becomes incredible. That's why with gambling, you don't know what the outcome's gonna be and that's why it's so intense. In the video game CSGO, you're given a rank. This rank is meant to be how good you are at the game. If you win multiple games in a row, you get moved up a rank and you're playing with more difficult people. But the thing is, your rank and how far you are or how close you are to the next rank, they keep that hidden, which means after you've won a game, you're expecting to get promoted, but you don't know just how far away you are from getting the promotion. So you win the game and you're not quite sure if you're gonna get promoted, or whether it's gonna be the next game that you get promoted. And because they keep that hidden, it's all carefully done. They do this with a purpose. And the reason they do that is because when you don't know the reward, it's far more stimulating when you get the reward. 
But even the fact that there are ranks, again, it's tapping into human psychology to get you addicted. If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, literally the top of the pyramid, the top, the most important thing is feeling like you're making progress. And by giving you these ranks, by giving you this score, by giving you this data point to determine how valuable you are, when you see that data point trick up, you feel like you're improving yourself. But here's the thing. Growth for the sake of growth is the mindset of a virus, not of a human. Improving yourself for the sake of improving yourself is pointless. What is the utility of that improvement? Just because you've ranked up, just because you've got more XP in a game, that doesn't mean you're actually improving yourself. What utility does that have in the real day-to-day -day life? How can you benefit yourself? How can you benefit humanity with that improvement? You simply can't. So what these video games are doing is they're tapping into human psychology to make you feel like you're living an incredible life. When in reality, oftentimes the opposite may be true. And when you think about it in sports or if you're competing for a job or you're a musician trying to get to the top, all humans have a tendency to compete. And I believe due to evolutionary psychology, this is true because us as a tribe, we wanted to compete against other tribes and other animals so that we could be the top. It's survival of the fittest. But Warzone takes this to a whole nother level. First of all, when you win, you're congratulated on an insane level. Music plays, everybody sees your name, you feel like you've done something incredible, you've beaten all of these other people, you've beaten all of these other tribes. But not only that, you're in a community. You've got a team with you. That is your tribe. You have built a community when it randomly assigns you with teammates that you're working together with. It's literally our tribe versus their tribe and that's why it feels so great when you can work together as a team, as brothers to win. And the creators of Warzone know that if they can create a game where you can play with your friends, now they've added in the element of peer pressure. Because as humans, we're social beings, we don't want to let down our friends. So if all of our friends are playing, and they know that the team's going to do better if you're playing, you feel socially obligated to go to war with your tribe. And there's now an added element of peer pressure where if you don't play, you feel like you're missing out. And it feels like all of your friends are bounding together, going towards one common purpose together. They're a team, and you're not playing. It feels like you're missing out. They're doing this all carefully and purposefully. And I mentioned there that all of the team is coming together with one common purpose, and that's just another one of the hundreds of things that video game developers do to keep you hooked. They give you a purpose. In Warzone, they do this especially well. In most Battle Royale games, the purpose is to win. It's to survive, it's to kill everybody else. But in Warzone, they take this to the next level. Yes, that's the grand mission to win, but there's also side quests along the way. Find loot caches, or go to a certain area of the map, or kill a rival team. It's all done so that you feel like you're consistently making progress towards a grand purpose, a grand mission. If you live your life and you have haven't yet figured out what your purpose is. Video games give you that purpose and of course that's compelling. Every human being wants to be using their time in development of some kind of a purpose and in search of some kind of a goal and video games give that to you perfectly. And video games make this so much more clear than we can ever get in real life. In real life you can say right this is the goal that I want to get to. There's always doubts if that's the best goal, there's always doubts on how you're going to get there. Video games remove all complexity to a level that life 
just can't compete with those video games. Because in video games it says, this is your objective, 100%. There is no doubt in your mind that this is your objective. This is what you've got to do. Your time must be spent towards reaching that objective. There is so much clarity on that objective because it just comes off in a one word sentence. And how can real life compete when life is more chaotic, life is more crazy, it's more difficult to understand why we're here. It's more difficult to figure out how to use your time. And that's why so many people find themselves spending more time in video games, more time in a virtual reality than real life. And to top it all off, we have the sunk cost fallacy, which is a general human thinking heuristic that says, if you've invested a lot of time or money into something, you shouldn't just give it up. With video games, once they've got you hooked, and you put in 50 hours, 100 hours, 200 hours. It's so difficult to leave that game and to start doing something else because you're good at the game and if you're trying to learn a new skill, you're not good at that thing. So it seems so much easier to stick with what you're good at instead of leaving and trying to do something else. Now, all of these things that I've just talked about, all of these ways that video games use to get you hooked, them in and of themselves, they're not bad tactics. I use a lot of them in the procrastination program to help people use their time wisely. I believe it comes down to intent and why they want your attention. Because let's be honest, in these free-to-play games, the reason that these game developers want your attention is so that they can either show you adverts in the form of Facebook or Instagram, well, there's microtransactions, there's in-app purchases, there's ways for you to spend money inside of the game. And that's why so many games have introduced the element of gambling. Gambling takes the variable ratio reward to a complete new level. You're putting money on the line and you don't quite know what you're going to get in return for that money. The reward could be incredible, it could be massive. On the flip side, you don't know. And what they do, and this is why Candy Crush became so incredible, is they use a phrase where when you're doing this gambling, you're either winning by a lot or you're losing by a little. These are all things that are designed to get you hooked. And at the end of the day, what you've got to consider is inputs versus outputs. Are the inputs of video games worth the outputs? Are the time and the energy spent on these games worth the rewards or the costs that you're getting on the other side? Or is it not worth it? So is it worth it? Is it not worth it? <laughs> it's a good question, right? But, um, well, he covered some really interesting points. And funnily enough, well, I want to go over some of these reward systems that are mentioned. And, and in fact, he mentioned this, uh, remember the rat that did stuff on the reward? It was actually by, well, from the 1950s, this well-known uh, uh, psychologist named um, uh, uh, Ben Skinner. And, uh, and he discovered uh, that you could control the behavior of of an animal through the use of stimulus or reward. So the you know this he set up this experiment uh, and he, he did it with rats and he did it with pigeons. But the idea was you put a pigeon or a rat in a box or a mouse in a box, um, and the pigeon and rat would get a treat or some food every time it pushed a button. Now there would be a light connected to the button so that Skinner could see if the button you know the animal was actually pushing the button and then the treat would be passed through. And um, and uh, and this well, this this uh, rat in a cage uh, kind of came, you know, became famous. And uh, and they learned well, they were learned that if they pulled the lever, or pushed the button, they received food. Well, believe it or not, um, the same technique is actually completely effective on humans, and is used to great effect inside video games. 
Uh, and uh, a model of uh, well, a good, good modern example that was pointed out in the video is Battle Pass uh, a system within Fortnite. And the Battle Pass costs, say, $10 for 10 weeks, and, and, and which is the length of one season of Fortnite. How convenient. And, um, and this gives you access to daily quests and objectives, which when completed, you're rewarded with extra skins or emojis, dance and, and gestures and things like that, right? And, um, well, it's quite simple, really. W would you rather pay $200 to unlock everything and pay a lot and just get all those things? Or would you pay a much lower, say, $30 for the game to unlock and then lock everything as you play lots? So you have to spend lots more time playing, right? To, to unlock everything, and it's cheaper, 30 bucks, and you get to play more. Well, funnily enough, you know, you might want to, you might be happy to pay the 200 bucks up front, but I, I imagine the child and most people would be happy to answer that question and take option B, right? Pay less and play more. It's going to be great. Well, that's that's one of the tricks, and in believing that you're you're gaining a huge amount of value from a very small investment, and in reality, you're actually trading lots of your very valuable time, the most valuable thing you own, right? Uh, just to make your character look a bit cooler, or you know, do something a bit awesome in the game, you know, that skin. And well, these skins, these 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 rewards. Well, it's funny because these virtual goods, these are starting to become equal to real things we we're starting to put the same amount of intensity same amount of uh of, 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 of importance on real things as we are as the sorry as virtual things as we're all real things um and we're also most having this 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 ability to you know is there a difference between the two for example um if 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 well it takes one fifth of a second to know if you like someone Right. So therefore, wanting something in a virtual world is similar to wanting something in the real world, because, well, you want to look good. Right. You want to look you want to look awesome when you're playing with your friends. Now, did you know in South Korea, a law was passed in 2010 that states virtual items. So, yeah, that the skins and the, the, those in-app purchases. Right. The virtual items have the same value as real items. So a uh, lucky axe in Fortnite is the same value as a real axe in the real world. Isn't that crazy? Like they actually they put past you know, it's, it's it's actually it's actually you know it's actually a law in South Korea. They passed that one. That's interesting. Now these items are now acting as reinforcement for playing. So you know it's likely you know that you want to show off your wealth in the game. You want to show off your armor. You want to show off just like you would in real life, right? Not to mention you know for most gamers you know you have this collection or this gamer lifestyle. You want to that's your avatar. That's a representation of you. In a virtual world, you want it to be the best, right? Better than all everyone else's, of course. And a lot of people with their online wealth is quite literally all they have. Because in well, real life, they don't have those achievements, they don't have those same possessions, they don't have the same friends. The virtual world is it. It's it's tough, but virtual goods have become equal to real goods for a lot of people. This reward system means so much, it's really almost real. But is it? Hmm. So the next reward system I want to mention, this is, well, loot boxes. Now, loot boxes, game developers have taken this manipulation step to a whole new level in the recent years with the level of 
uh, with the creation and introduction of uh, loot boxes. Now, loot boxes, they, they, they're little boxes that pop up randomly or you could buy them and, uh, and they're little rewards that you get. Like It's a bit like spinning the Wheel of Fortune. You don't know what you're going to get. It's, it's uh, pick a prize, any prize. It could be anything until you open it. And then sometimes it's awesome, amazing stuff. Sometimes it's rubbish. A loot box is a virtual item that could be opened, usually using real money. So you buy it, like right, and um, or you have to wait for it, um, and uh, and contains a random virtual item with different levels of rarity or importance. Um, loot boxes provide another way of varying the reinforcement in the video, so you never know when they're going to pop up or you know how long it might take to get one. And similar to gambling in real life, loot boxes give you this random chance to get the reward that you've always wanted. The loot boxes have been compared to, uh, you know, fixing bets at the, uh, you know, when you're gambling, but which are, have been linked to serious gambling problems you know, in the real world. And, uh, and they've even been cases of reported people losing their entire life savings on buying virtual loot boxes. I mean, serious real problems. Now, currently gambling laws in most countries does not cover, you know, virtual goods, but some video games, uh, rewards you with loot boxes for achieving a level up and this gives you a chance to spend more money in the game and just like getting a reward you end up paying for it anyway and perfect money making machine it is pretty crazy but there are some countries in the world that have actually started saying you know what this virtual gambling is actually similar to real gambling the same laws need to apply now some videos reward you uh, for with uh, loot boxes just to getting that level up, right? And other game designers are, you know, behavioral psychologists who are very much aware of the system that they're putting into their games. They know what they're doing here. This wasn't a mistake. They're, this is a part of the system. The rule one, make video games highly addictive. And remember the first ingredient, the one of first to four is the reward system. They know what they're doing. They're using psychology and doctors and the fields to help make this happen. And they're, they're implementing these strategies in games that are marketed, especially at children, tweens and teens, young people with an explosion of mobile gaming industry. Remember, it's gone up like hundreds, hundreds of percentages. Well, it's getting into it's, it's only going to get worse. And talking of worse, this is sneaky. Now there's reward systems that punish you for not playing, right? If you're not, you know, playing, you know, uh, your, your crop withers. A, a struggling number of people and at mobile games uh, are, are, you know, are finding it really frustrating, you know, such as in Farmville uh, and Candy Crush that punish you if you don't play the game. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Skinner referred to this uh, avoidance. Remember the Skinner experiment with the rat in the box? Uh, meaning you perform a behavior to avoid the negative outcome, right? So we make you do it so you don't get your crops wither or you don't, you know, you're, you miss something. And uh, in Farmville, your crops will die if you're not harvested, when, you know, when you're, even if you're not playing. Um, for example, you might plant some crops, then take four hours for it to four hours to ripen. And if the crops, if you don't get back to them in, in the, within four hours, the crops will die and wither. And it, you know, make sure you you lose your score, and, and it's a bad thing, right? And avoidance has become one of the most widely used tactics and tricks in mobile gaming to keep you as a customer, and increasing the chances that you'll spend some extra money on the game. Because of course, you could always buy some extra resources or buy some extra time. How convenient of them! How nice, right? Yeah, but um, 
is these taxes that have led to mobile gaming industry become one of the most lucrative gaming uh, markets in the world, bringing over 50% of the entire global revenue. Remember $3 billion a year? So $150 billion coming from the gaming, the mobile gaming industry alone. Uh, and uh, it's this huge amount of money, right? I mean, it's, 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 that's their bread and butter. That's what, what this is about. And, um, well, you know, the only way to avoid this is, is to stop spending real money on these things, you know, you know, to, you know, to avoid this, just don't, don't play their game. But, you know, their daily streaks and daily rewards, it gets worse. You know, after you play a while, uh, you realize that some rewards are really quite useless. And the strategy is, is if you to make sure you play that first month or the first eight days. And a lot of games know that a monthly subscription service will include the first 30 days free trial as long as you cancel before the 30 days is over, which they make it very difficult for you to do. And, well, game developers know if you make it through these 30 days, you're probably more likely to forget or carry on playing the game and just not bother unsubscribing. To top it off, developers then and then lose a portion of your items and, um, and, uh, and your progress or upgrade until you, up you upgrade to the full version. Um, and then the first month is critical for them to keep the users and to make sure that, uh, you know, the game is really designed addictive. That's, that's well, where they give you the daily reward, claim now login screen. Or uh, maybe there's a, this is another common uh, uh, system put in place by the mobile gaming developers to keep you playing uh, is, is, is this like reward that pops up after a few days. Or these types of games where, uh, they're reliant on you logging in every single day to level up your character. And if you don't, your character is going to suffer. Yeah. Um, or one thing they might do is show you the 30-day timetable of what you'll receive if you log in every day for 30 days straight. You know, what's the reward you get at the end of the month? And, well, initially, because you're just starting out, that 30-day reward seems incredible and powerful, and you must have it. And do you really... Does it make a difference in your life at the end of the 30 days when you got it? Or is it really just something that, yeah, they used to get you, right? So these streets and daily reward systems, that's just another one. Now, in-game season passes. How many of you have bought an in-game season pass? You know what I mean? The limited edition, standard edition, and you get the, the battle pass and the battle packs and, you know, your pre-orders and you, you get one-year game passes. You know, they're real money. Not cheap, right? And season passes, these are perfect um, representation of how the pricing model of the gaming industry has shifted over the years. This uh, subscription, this kind of ordering every every month, because previously you just buy the game, right? You just buy the cartridge. Back in my day, you just bought the CD or the cartridge, play it and finish it and then trade it back for another one. Well, now there's also add a variety of new characters and customization levels and skins and dances and animations and all this new content is uh, is you know is is it's designed so that it's every renewal of the game keeps you going keeps you playing so you can keep going over and over again and i mean they earned over 2.4 billion dollars in revenue in 2018 just off of fortnite's you know downloading stuff today gamers are usually using the free to play implement system which we're going to talk about here shortly but this free to play system is even crazier but um because you think it's free at least a bit free anyway, right? Um, okay, so these reward systems, they, 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 they're trickled in, they, they're used at different times. And, and, and so you, from the last video, he mentioned this variable 
reward system, which is happens at random times, right? You don't, uh, uh, or a constant reward happens at timed intervals, like, like setting a goal, like beating the boss. But either way, you know, variable or constant rewards are designed to keep you coming back for more and more and more, right? Because when you get that reward, then what happens is they show you the next reward, right? And it's even better. And you're like, oh, if I got this reward, I so want that reward. So what do you do? You keep going. For example, in World of Warcraft, you can always see your progress towards the next level. And that way, you know where your next reward is for your effort. And although you haven't achieved the level yet, you know what you need to do to get there. Then when you actually level up, you're given a new reward each time. And this usually is a new skill or a new improvement or an item or unlocking or a quest or map. And it's this then combination of the two systems of variable and constant rewards that keeps you hooked and playing every single day, right? Buy stuff, kill monsters, win, buy stuff, you know, get the anticipation, looking forward to it. The action happens, you do it, you kill the monster, you get a reward, you win the gold, you get something. It makes you think, oh, yeah, I need to go get more. I'm excited. Anticipation. Look at that loop again. Sound familiar? All right. Well, actually, the reward systems, this is uh, actually talked about in my next video by um, this, well, this uh, PhD researcher from Epic Games. He is... Uh, one of the creators of Fortnite, though, what, you know, the Epic Games is one of the creators of Fortnite, and described how, and, and, and well, um, Ben Lewis uh, uh, Evans uh, is this guy here. Uh, he, uh, he's got some amazing, amazing information about the reward psychology, how they've put the reward system very specifically into Fortnite, but other games as well. Um, and this is about 10 minutes long, and it's fascinating. And then uh, we're coming towards the end of class after this. But this this just goes to show they are exactly using this this rule of the reward system and how they're teaching it to the gaming industry. And this is him at... Uh, now, remember, he, um, this guy has 15 years of experience. He's hired by many of the gaming companies to make their games more addictive. And this is what he teaches the programmers, exactly what he's about to explain. <laughs> The most important part uh, of rewards, feedback, feedback, feedback. If players don't know what they've done to get a reward, then they don't know how to do it again. If they don't know why they got a reward and how they got a reward, then again, won't seek it out, they won't continue to play the game, they won't work for the reward. And if they don't know the value of the reward, and this is most often where I see uh, games have issues is they make it really clear you got a reward and here's how you got it but not what to do with that reward why it has value within the game if they don't understand that then again they won't work for the reward they won't find it rewarding and as a basic principle rewards are feedback that's what they are you do something you get something good that's feedback on your success or what you've been doing and in fact most feedback can be rewarding if it's delivered in certain ways. But rewards are fundamentally a feedback. And just to give a little reward, you're a really wonderful audience. I can tell you're paying attention and thinking critically. Thank you very much. So we can look at these basic ideas, and we can go back to really basic ideas of around feedback and delivering reward. And there's learning principles. Classical conditioning is one of them. And this is kind of responding to a reward. It's when you learn to link one existing thing uh, with a new idea. So if we look at this, seeing the coin is probably rewarding for a lot of people. 
hearing the sound is also probably rewarding for a lot of people. And we can put those two things together. All right, stop that sound. Um, and these have become paired through your action of playing the game. And now either one of them is rewarding because through the action of the game, collecting these things was good. A kind of practical example of this is the use of real-world currencies in games for premium currencies. Quite often people will use gems, gold, um, money, that kind of thing to represent a premium currency. And why this has value as a reward system is players have already been conditioned to think that this is valuable, right? Gold is valuable, gems are valuable. We already have that conditioning from our everyday life. And that means that as a game developer, you can use that conditioning and bring it into your game and people will understand that this has value. You can use uh, currencies that aren't real world, but it will be a little bit harder for you to establish that uh, this is something that is rewarding. Another example is idle games uh, or clicker games. And here, we, by playing lots of games in everyday life, has, have learned, have been conditioned that numbers going up is good. So just seeing numbers going up, even without us really doing anything, is rewarding for us. But classical conditioning is relatively simple. We actually want to do things um, that help people learn and get a little bit more complicated than that. So you can look at operant conditioning for this, and this is responding to get a reward. So it's not responding for a reward, it's um, to a reward, it's responding to get one. And there's various types that this can take. Um, I'll go through the, the four classic ones. There's fixed ratio. Now fixed ratio, uh, a typical example of this would be in a turn-based game where you set a unit building and it has 10 turns to go until it's built. And that's 10 constant responses of you clicking the next turn button until you get the reward of having the unit. It's also clicks in a clicker. These are a very simple kind of every few responses you get a reward. And if we draw that out on a graph, what it tends to look like if you look at the response rate and the number of actions is you get a relatively steady number of responses until the reward is delivered, which is the tick. And then what happens is people tend to stop responding for a little bit because they've got say if it was 20 clicks, they've now got another 20 clicks in front of them and it tends to be a little bit like, okay, I just worked hard to get to this point, now I take a relax and now I start working again towards the next point. But that's a fixed ratio and what a lot of the turn-based games do is they make sure that you have a lot of fixed ratios all going at the same time so that this dip is never just happening all at the same time, you've got really nothing to do. When they can cross over each other, that's good. Now, variable ratio is probably the most famous. Here we've got an example of it in Fortnite where it's used for the llamas. Uh, these are kind of loot drops or random uh, loot crates. And a variable ratio is where there is a, a variable number of responses you have to do until you get the reward you're after. So with the llamas, you may not get what you want every single time. You have to open them a few times. And they even have a mechanic where they can upgrade when you hit them. So you go to open them and they turn silver or gold. Critical hits is a more um, kind of moment-to-moment -moment thing of a variable ratio. If there's a critical hit system in your game, every hit people do, there's a chance the critical, and then eventually it may actually get there. If we look at these, the reason these are famous is that quite often the ratio is used in gambling, and the response they tend to get is a very constant and kind of high-level response. And that's because you don't know how many times uh, you have to respond before you get the reward, so people tend to keep it up. It's not predictable like fixed ratio is, so it doesn't tend to lead to these big dips and behavior. 
So this is when there's set loot or monster times, there's set world events, or there's daily logins or timers. So uh, that's the examples I've got up here. These are the daily logins from Fortnite and Paragon. And what this says is come back at this time and you get rewarded. And there's no point in doing anything else until the next time that comes around. So unsurprisingly, this is what you tend to get response curves, right? You get the reward, then you completely stop responding, and then close to the time where you feel like you're going to get the next reward, say you know the monster's going to spawn in five minutes' time, at about like 4.30, uh, go and stand over by where the monster spawns and wait a little bit. So you get a little bit of responding, and then the big amount of responding is at the point that it happens. The other one is variable interval. This is uh, event-seeking behavior. It would be unpredictable loot or uh, spawn times, randomized world events. We have some of these in Fortnite. They're not really particularly rewarding, um, but they are kind of patrols that appear in the world at, at random times, and you have to deal with them. Not sure when they're going to happen, but you do have to take precautions or act against them. And what that tends to do is get this kind of uh, lower level but relatively constant responding rate again, because you never know when uh, a behavior is going to be rewarded or not. So if we look at all of these, it can be tempting for game developers to just go, oh, well, the variable ratio is the best, right? It's the highest, it's the most constant, so we should just make everything random, um, everything variable, and that's the best approach to take. Actually, the best approach is to combine these schedules together, make sure that there's always a little bit of certainty there for players, so fixed intervals or, or fixed ratio things. People like to know that a certain amount of behaviors will be rewarded. And the variable ones, they can lay on top of that for the random rewards, the random loot, the things that people find quite compelling. And moving on with this in terms of feedback, we also have to consider when rewards are given. Um, in terms of timing, if you want to reward people for success or progress or making a choice, feedback and reward on that should be basically immediate. It needs to be coupled with the reward. Otherwise, people are quite bad at learning. Say, I, uh, I say something funny, and then 10 minutes later, you laugh. That's not going to reward me. It's not going to make me feel good that my joke landed. I'm just probably going to get confused. And if you do want uh, systems that take a long time to reward the player, like leveling up, for example, in a game, then you need strong feedback support, right? Leveling up in an RPG is really rewarding. You get a bunch of stuff. But we use XP bars as little chunks of feedback, little bits of reward as you move towards that bigger one to keep people motivated, to keep people uh, aware of what's going on. The other idea is un uncertainty or unexpected rewards. Now, unexpected rewards are quite motivating. There's quite a lot of research that says that if you can deliver rewards unexpectedly to people, they find them compelling uh, and motivating. Uh, one example of this could be in puzzle games where people are able to come up with a suggestion uh, or a solution within the puzzle game that they feel like um, came out of nowhere or, or, or was random. That can feel very rewarding to people. But uh, the problem with uncertain rewards or unexpected rewards is they can become predictable. There we go. That's a really interesting talk about the reward system and how the, the variable and the constant rewards, how they work and how they're actually teaching that to you know those people in the gaming or the, the audience, the programmers and the, the gaming industry. That's exactly what we're talking about. So this changing of the rate of the feedback, the reinforcement, these rewards, the, this is you know the graph that they were talking about, the variable rate, the fixed rate, 
there. And well, unsurprisingly, one of the most common ones used is funnily enough, you know, this this variable rate. And then this, well, you've leveled up. Here's a reward. Or um uh, uh oh, receiving a reward every time you level up is known as the fixed uh, a, a reinforcement ratio of one. Now, this fixed enforcement ratio of one, um, yeah, this is manipulated in a huge number of ways to keep you playing, such as extending the time it takes to level up, therefore increasing the play time for the same reward. Um, changing the reward rates from fixed to variable. This means that you no longer get a reward every time you level up or win a game, but at random times. Yeah, you might know one of them. Studies have shown that these variable and reinforcement uh, uh, is, well, is by far the most effective. You know, this is the one seen in red. But yeah, it's, it's by far just the one that, that, that keeps going. So, okay, we've come to the end of today's class. I know it's been a bit of a long one, but the reward system is so massive. So now for your homework, I want you to play your favorite game and see some of the rewards. Well, what are your favorite rewards in your game? The favorite game that you play? Well, what are the favorite rewards? And I want you to set a timer for 10 minutes and count how many rewards you can see in, the, in, in your favorite game just in the first 10 minutes of playing. Count, count them and note which they are. Because I want to know how many you found, what they were, and well, I want to know a bit about that game. Um, how did you feel? Once you received these rewards, how did they make you? Was it, you know, did they get excited? You know, you know looking for the next one? Well, how did you feel? And write down these answers uh, to the above questions in relation to your favorite game and send them to me. And I look forward to seeing what you guys all come up with. But until next class, take care. Have a great day and watch out for those rewards. You know, they're a bit sneaky now, right? So